0: beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever been burned? Have you ever suffered a burn? If you have, you know that it hurts badly. When I was 10 years old, I went with my father to what we called the rubbish tip or what you would call the garbage dump. And I spent most of my childhood when I wasn't at school or wasn't at church, I spent most of my childhood in bare feet. And so I went with him in the car, in my bare feet. And when we got to the rubbish tip, then there were some big hills of gray sand, of what I thought were gray sand. So I, when my father was emptying out the trailer, I ran up one of the hills, and it was recently burned garbage. And the bottoms of my feet were badly burned. It was very painful, and I spent many days in bed with my feet sticking out of the blankets at the end until my feet had healed. It's a terrible pain to be burned, and it can terribly disfigure you. It can leave terribly disfiguring scars for the rest of your life if you're badly burned. Fire is dangerous. And that's why the children know you don't play with fire. You don't play with matches. You don't play with anything that has to do with fire. Because fire is dangerous. It burns. It hurts. And it can destroy. But fire can also be a very good thing. In the winter... It's just absolutely wonderful to have a blazing fire, to sit around it with hot chocolate, or in the summer to sit around the campfire late at night singing or just chatting or just staring into the flame, staring into the glowing embers and reflecting about life. So what is it? Is, is fire a, a dangerous, destructive force or is fire a, a beautiful Comforting, life-giving force? Well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on where it is. Fire in the right place is a blessing. In the fireplace. But fire outside of the fireplace is destructive. It burns, hurts, destroys, kills. So if you're sitting at home... On a cold winter day, you're sitting in the living room, there's a cheerful fire burning in the grate. That's a that's a great thing. But how would you feel if somebody came in the front door of your house with a gas can and they splashed gas all over the curtains and the furniture and the sofa, and then they sat down and started striking matches and throwing them around the room? Would you stand for that? not in a thousand years, because your house is going to burn down. And the children asleep in bed might die or be badly injured and burned. You're going to stop this crazy stranger with the gas can with the matches even before he gets through the front door. Brothers and sisters, the Bible compares the most intense and intimate love possible between two human beings compares it to a fire. Turn with me to the Song of Songs for a moment. Chapter 8, verse 6. Song of Songs, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, 8, verse 6. And here the Holy Spirit gives us the following words. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. A fire so strong that many waters cannot quench it, nor floods drown it. It is a powerful, powerful force. In the Old Testament, when the the people that speak Hebrew, they want to say that something's really powerful, something's really amazing and great and glorious, then they say, of the Lord. So when it says here that the flame of the Lord, it means a massively powerful and great force, flame. And we know that the Lord is a consuming fire. Now, God teaches us in the Scriptures that this powerful, blazing flame is a beautiful thing in its proper place. And what is the proper place? Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Off to the New Testament now. Hebrews thirteen, four. What does the, the apostle tell us? Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. What is the right place for that powerful fire, that powerful flame of love, also sexual love? It's in the fireplace of marriage. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what God tells us. Outside of marriage, sexually intimate love hurts it destroys it burns turn with me for a moment to proverbs chapter 6 verse 27 where the holy spirit tells us this in so many words proverbs 6:27 the proverbs uh, often warn the young about the dangers of adultery how it destroys lives and hearts and souls in Proverbs chapter six, verse twenty-seven, the scripture says the following It's in the section about another section about warnings against adultery, and in Proverbs 6, 27, can a man carry fire next to his chest, and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. That's the commandment we have before us today. You shall not commit adultery. And The world looks at this commandment and says, Wow, why do you even bother? Why do you follow this God that says, Don't do this and don't do that, and you can't do this and you can't do that, the world says, you know what, God is, is a celestial killjoy. You can't have any fun. You can't just enjoy your sexuality. You can't sleep around. You can't enjoy sexual pleasure. Everything is so repressed. Everything is no, no, no. Brothers and sisters, we know who God is. And we know that what he says is for his glory and for our good. And we know that the seventh commandment is not God telling us that we can't enjoy life, that we can't enjoy pleasure, that we can't enjoy love. Well, the seventh commandment is like a warning that you see on a high-voltage electrical transformer. If there's 13,000 volts inside it, then there's a, there's a little symbol on the outside which says don't touch. Because you're going to be stupid to touch this. Don't open it. Don't put your hand inside. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pleasant. It's going to fry you. It's going to kill you. And that's the way the commandment is. The commandment is saying be careful. Sexuality is holy and sacred and powerful for good and for ill. And there is a safe place for this powerful force. There is a safe place for this love in its most passionate and powerful form when two lives are melded together into one. When there is the most intimate communion possible between two human beings, a physical union, a mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual union where a man and a woman become one flesh. And in that environment, in that safe place, Within those safe parameters, there is the promise and the potential and the possibility of new life. And that's a glorious thing. Have you ever held in your hands, in your arms, a newborn baby? It's a miracle. A new human being, a new person, unique, an individual an individual with its own personality and character and DNA created to glorify God, to, to love God, to rejoice in God, to praise God, to worship God forever and ever and ever. That's what God has ordained normally by his grace to be the result of pure, holy, sacred love between a man and a man. And a woman, the coming into being of a new infinity of worship for God. Because that's what each child represents. Each new child represents an eternity of praise for the creator. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, and we see that those two things are connected. God created man Male and female. And then right away, what did he tell them? He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That's built in to the structure of what love is between a husband and a wife. It is a life-producing love. And we see that in chapter 2, when God officiates at the first wedding celebration. And he declares that man and woman in marriage become one flesh. And in that safe space, in that fireplace of marriage, there is this powerful blazing flame of sexually intimate love, joy, communion. There's new life, there's glory to God within that unbreakable covenant of love between a man and a woman. So what we see in the family is a little bit of a picture of this blessed life that we sang about in Psalm 128. We see a little bit of the the reflection of the character of God. You have father, you have mother, you have children. It's a, a trinity which is a unity in diversity. It's reflecting the character of God, the family. And there is blessing and there is life when, in that structure that God has created, sexuality is held as holy and sacred. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and speak a word to those who are married and have new children. You may be thinking, well, what about us? You need to know. That you have a special calling. And you need to prayerfully seek it. Because your marriage also is sacred and holy. And intended by God for life. And if God isn't giving you your own biological children. You need to be in prayer asking the Lord to show you. How your marriage will be producing And promoting life. That can be in many different ways. Either you can be promoting and producing life through the spiritual children that are yours as you reach out in evangelism and outreach and bring people to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be a family which adopts or fosters children. You can be a couple who serves the community with teaching and helping care for other people's children. And there are many, many other options as well. But your marriage also is holy and sacred and life-giving. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to flourish. To show you the way that he has ordained for you. So that's Christian marriage. That's marriage the way God created it to be. It's a safe structure for that blazing flame of love, which is life-giving and life-producing. And the devil, therefore, hates it. Because the devil hates life, and the devil hates love. And the, the devil hates the birth of new people created in the image of God. And so he does everything to weaken, to attack, to despise, to mock, to ridicule, to do away with marriage and with family. And the devil sells us, a bill of goods. He sells us a line. He tells us, you know what? Sexual pleasure is fun. That's what he's telling you young people through a lot of the books and magazines and TV shows and YouTube channels that you may be exposed to. He's telling you that sexual pleasure is just fun anywhere, anytime, any context, with anyone. It's a great thing, says the devil. Just take that gas and splash it around wherever and light it up. It's a lot of fun. doesn't have to be in the fireplace. The devil hates marriage. And that's why the devil rejoices in divorce, in the hookup culture, where poor, lonely, broken sinners come together and break apart over and over and over and think that somehow this is going to be good for their hearts and for their souls. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He says, the one who spends time with a prostitute becomes one flesh with her. When there is sexual intimacy outside of marriage, it binds people together and when they abandon each other after a one-night stand they each leave a part of their soul behind it's like taking two pieces of paper gluing them together letting it dry and then ripping them apart again it's painful and there are a lot of broken souls out there brothers and sisters A lot of broken souls, they're uniting, they're tearing apart, uniting and tearing apart repeatedly. That leaves a trail of destruction and misery. The devil loves destruction and misery. You can can make the list as long as you want. There are so many ways the devil tries to attack the holy and sacred sexuality which God has reserved for within the structure of marriage. There's the whole idea of surrogate mothers. There's the whole mirage of so-called homosexual marriage, which is legal in our country, but which by its very nature is not marriage in the eyes of God. By its very nature, it is sterile. It cannot produce life. By its very nature, it is not unity in diversity. The homosexual movement loves to talk about diversity. There's nothing less diverse than two people of the same sex coming together and forming what they call a marriage. The homo part in homosexuality means same. No diversity there whatsoever. The devil hates marriage the, the way God made it. The devil hates family the way God made it. The devil loves to attack marriage, to destroy marriage, to take intimate sexual love out of the safe fireplace of marriage and randomly light this fire in any place that we desire because this brings pain, this brings destruction, this brings death, and that's what the devil loves. God in this commandment is telling us the devil may hate marriage. Don't you go hating it too. In the way that we think as God's children, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act, Marriage should be honored, valued, and protected, and defended by all. And because of that, what does the commandment tell us? And what does the, the Lord's Day confess? Because of that, we ought not to play with matches. Did you see that in question answer 109? 109. It's not just adultery that's in view here, but anything which leads towards it, anything which weakens marriage, anything which cheapens sexuality, all unchaste acts, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, whatever may entice us to unchastity. We read Ephesians chapter 5, didn't we? And what is the apostle telling us in Ephesians chapter 5? He's saying don't fool around with things which tend to cause sparks or fires to flame up outside of the safe, holy, sacred place that God made for it. It's not just adultery. But anything and everything which cheapens marriage and sexuality, everything which makes love and sexuality common and base, is in fact something which aligns with the kingdom of darkness. And those who give themselves over to these things, align themselves with the kingdom of darkness and exclude themselves by their actions, by their choices, from the very kingdom of God. Didn't the apostle tell us that in chapter 5, verse 5 of Ephesians? You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, or impure, or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Well, that's not who we are, is it? We're not the people that Paul is describing here. We are imitators of God as beloved children. We are called to walk in love, not in immorality, unchastity, and impurity. So here's the question that we're confronted with this afternoon. Are you playing with fire? Are you flirting with death? Are you gorging your soul on pornography? Are you using sexuality for your own pleasure? Are you using sexuality outside of the context of holy marriage? Are you breaking your marriage vows in your thoughts, words, words? actions are you playing with fire well the scripture says don't be a fool because you will get burned and others will get burned and there are consequences for this life and for the next if you are undisciplined and unfaithful if you are not treating your sexuality as something that is holy and sacred and saving it for within the structure that God built for it, holy marriage, then for the sake of your eternal salvation, turn now from your sin. Repent and seek forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ and produce fruit befitting of repentance change the way that you're living. Or perhaps you're listening to this, and perhaps you're someone who has been burned by sexual sin. Sexuality, sexual intimacy has perhaps been imposed on you, either by physical force or by some kind of sick manipulation, Or you've been sinned against by someone who is unfaithful to you. But in some way you've been burned, you've been hurt. By an unholy use of sexuality in someone close to you. If you're hurting, if you're in pain, if you're scarred, if you're ashamed. I want to say a few things in the name of the Lord to you this afternoon. First of all, if it's happening in your life right now, or it's happened recently, and it hasn't been dealt with, you need to reach out. You need to reach out to a trusted adult, a trusted person in the church, and you need to ask that this be dealt with. You may feel ashamed. You may feel reluctant to share it with someone else. But sexual sin needs to be exposed. It needs to be dealt with. And so you need to reach out for help. Something you also want to say. Perhaps you've been burned by an unholy use of sexuality and you feel dirty and you feel ashamed and you feel guilty. Know this. That the blood of the Lord Jesus washes you clean. And that he sees you as pure and holy. And know this also. The person who took advantage of you. The person who sinned against you. The person who abused you. Their sin must be paid for. Either they will confess and repent and do what is right and suffer the human penalty that they deserve and seek Christ, and then he suffers the hell that they deserve. But if there's no repentance, then they will suffer that hell themselves. Know this, there will be an accounting for every unholy use of sexuality. There will be a reckoning. There will be a righteous judgment of God. No sin will go unpunished. Every sin is either punished in Christ for those who repent and believe, or the sinner, him or herself, pays for all eternity. These are some hard things. And because they deal with some of the most intimate parts of our life as human beings, they're kind of embarrassing to talk about. But they need to be talked about. The world is very open to talking about sexuality in the wrong way, and the church has to be ready to speak about sexuality in the right way. And so let's end with this. Parents, what are we doing to instill in our children a holy understanding of love and sexuality? Are our marriages living sermons that teach that sexuality is holy and sacred and beautiful, and life-giving? Is the entertainment which we consume on our screens helping our children to understand sexuality as holy and sacred? Are we giving our children tools, the tools that they need to protect themselves from sexual abusers and predators? Are we taking steps to protect our children from drowning in the ocean of perversity, which the internet wants to put at their fingertips 24 hours a day? Are we teaching our children modesty? Not not to be ashamed of their bodies, but to preserve their bodies pure and holy, deliberately choosing to keep their sexuality holy and sacred for holy Matrimony. You see, the world loves to use sexuality as something which cheapens and brings shame and guilt and brokenness, which leaves people feeling dirty. The way the world uses sexuality outside of the fireplace of holy marriage, it burns, it's painful. It leaves scars. It's ugly. But God's children, we celebrate sexuality as holy and sacred. And so may holy love burn like a blazing fire in our marriages. May sexuality in the Christian life promote life and not death, promote happiness and not pain. In this way, our lives will be proclaiming the gospel. In this way, we get to show the world that God's way, the way he made the world to be, that way is good. Not just with our words, but with our lives. Let us preach the gospel. When we treat sexuality as holy and sacred, then we are not burned, but we are blessed. Amen.